0: great way to follow, like, that last question is exactly what I want to talk about today. Hey, I'm Thomas, nice to meet you all. Um, So today I want to talk about how I see the world from my perspective, which is a a bit of a strange one, a bit of, like, a futurist uh, and an artist, I like to challenge how we're doing everything today, but I'm also a hacker and a programmer, so I have this, like, weird perspective of all of the back end and how all of that works. So today I'd like to talk to you about what what I think the history of the future is going to look like. so to start off, I picked up the wrong clicker, which is a great way to begin. Nope. This one? Well, yep. We're not getting anything. Yeah, we got it now. Sweet. So if you Google me, you'll find a Wikipedia page that I wrote. That was my first fascination with the internet. It's a playground. You can uh, you can really deceive people on the internet if you know how to manipulate the way that it works. And Wikipedia was one of my favourites because we think of Wikipedia as being this reputable source of where information comes from, and uh, I just made all of that up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where did that come from? Well. I was a magician. I spent the first 10 years of my kind of professional life from the age of 16 being this magician. I would, I would travel around the world and do shows. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to be like world-famous, really like successful magician. And, and at the time, in like 2009, going up to 2015, I realized Google was kind of king. And the best way to become the best was be, to be perceived as being the best which in my, my mind was uh, if I was rank one on Google. So at the time, I was studying the search algorithm, and I worked out that to be rank one on Google, all you had to do was have a really good keyword in your domain name. So I thought, hey, my name's Thomas Webb. What if I changed my name to Tom London, and my domain name would be Tom London Magic, and bam, number one, world famous. <laughs> <laughs> totally worked. So yeah, after that, I ended up um, going on America's Got Talent, and I started uh, doing things where I would kind of try to build magic tricks with technology that would kind of like fake news the world. I did a few things on on news channels where I made up fake technology and and convinced millions of people that I had invented mind-reading AI and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. If you open your phone right now and open up the camera, if you've got an iPhone, you can scan that QR code. Just open up the camera, zoom in, tap on it. That'll bring up my Instagram, and you can see some of the stuff that I do um, while I'm talking. But today what I want to talk about is what I think is going to happen in the next five years. Um, From my perspective, and before I do that I have to give you some context, and I've been trying to work out how to tell this story, because it's something I've been doing drunk over dinner to people for the last six, eight months, um, and I've never really worked out where to start, so I thought I'd start at the beginning, which is with Walt Disney. And Walt Disney invented Disneyland, because he was trying to immerse people inside Disney World, Disneyland, like How can I take someone and put them inside a fairy tale? And it was a massive hit. Who hasn't been to Disneyland in this room? Anyone? One, two, two, three, four people. Now everyone's like, no, I'm going to ruin this statistical (laughs) analysis. But not many of us haven't. A lot of people have been to Disneyland. Um, And his quest was to immerse people inside this world. So going back to the beginning, the context, my dad, my father, Martin Webb, he was this like legendary video game developer and he wrote a game called Outrun. Anyone play Outrun? Show of hands. Yeah, what up? <laughs> Sick. So Outrun was the biggest selling uh, racing car game of like 86, 87. It was a huge hit. And he made this video game on his own in his bedroom. He was like the original indie-game developer aged 16. And he tells me this story all the time about how when he was a kid, in the news, all you would see is articles of video game developers driving expensive cars, making loads of money, being world famous. And when he made this game, he didn't get world famous, and he didn't make loads of money. And he was like shocked. He made hundreds of video games, and it just didn't happen. And He was like, why was this? And his argument was that, at the time, in the, in, in the, in the 80s, the government were trying to get people to learn how to code. You know, how do, we, how do we have the next technological revolution? We need to teach the kids how to program, right? And how do we do that? Like, what if we start making articles about, hey, like, if you make video games, you can be rich and famous. Learn to program, you can be rich and famous. And we'll take some key examples of people who have actually done that. Maybe they're the outliers, the one in a billion that do it. And we'll just hype that up like crazy. And then everyone will want to start learning to code. And that's what happened. He was the first person to pass the programming exams in in England. And now everyone, loads of people are coding. It's a huge, great big thing. But not everyone's super rich and famous. He also told me this other story. Who had one of these, the Motorola? People don't want to show their age right now, do they? (laughs) It's the 45th anniversary of this phone. He actually sold these phones, funny enough, and when he was selling them, one of the arguments people made for not wanting to buy it was that, why would I want to be reachable when I'm out and about doing things in my daily life? Like if I'm going to go and hang out with my friends, I don't want work to call me. If I'm going to the pub, I don't want my wife to call me. These were things that he would hear as arguments against buying a mobile phone. Today of course, what have we all got in our pockets? Mobile phones. We've all adopted the tool. In fact, a month ago, I was in Ibiza. It's like 5 AM, as you do in Ibiza. And my phone's pinging off. And I'm getting tagged in stories. People are taking videos that they've seen. And then the next morning, I get this. Like, messages, messages, messages. Who are you with? Who's that girl you're standing next to? Drama, 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 drama. The very thing that the people in the 80s and the 90s are trying to avoid from this technology, I'm now living that life all the time. And it's a constant thing, like misinformation because of so much free information that can be perceived from all these different sources. I think it's crazy. Like, how did, how did this happen? How did, this, how did the things that we were scared of happening actually, actually, really, really happen? And I was thinking about it. I was like, OK, think about Find My Friends. Who's used the Find My Friends app? Find My Friends is an app where you can add people that you know and share your real-time location with them all the time. I don't use it. Personally, does anyone use it a lot? One person, two people. Okay, cool. That that's great. That shows the demographic. If you hang out with Gen Z kids, you know, 1995 onwards, or Gen Alpha, as we're just talking about, I know a lot of these kids, and they've got like I do talks all the time for wide uh, Next Generation or Mathcom, which is like you know, aged eight to thirteen, 500 smartest kids in America, and their parents are all Fortune 500 CEOs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They've all got mobile phones and they're all sharing their locations with each other. Kids have like 50 friends, all sharing where they are in real time. Can you imagine the drama? I've seen it firsthand. You went to Bali without me. Why are you at Mike's house? I wasn't invited. It's like the complete opposite of what we see in Stranger Things, which is where kids are waiting outside for their friends after school for an hour because they can't say, sorry, I'm in detention. And I was like, how has this happened? Well, as a parent, what parent wouldn't say to their kids Hey, I'll give you a smartphone, but you've got to turn your location on so I know where you are. Right? (laughs) It's an amazing feature to make sure your, your kids are safe. But at the same time, the impact that has on the way we interact in society is huge. It completely changes the fabric of communication, right? Because now it's like, I don't need to ask you what you're up to, I just know where you are. And I don't necessarily think that's a good or a bad thing, it's just an interesting thing because (laughs) We wouldn't use it, but we get our kids to use it, and we see the merit to using it, but we don't see how it's going to affect them in 10 years. (sighs) So uh, bear with me on this, because what I want to talk about is how technology now is being controlled by a few companies, right? A few companies are in control of what's the next big technological revolution that's going to affect the way that we all interact with one another, or interact with the world, or what's the new playground? And we've all had like, lived through the dot-com dot boom, and the app boom, and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And now we're in this like, new social media boom, and the company in control of that, as we all know, is a little bit questionable, <laughs> right? <laughs> in fact, they're completely unaccountable. They can do anything they want. We can, we can have the whole Cambridge Analytica thing happen, and they'll get fined. What is this, like 29 days' worth of their revenue or something like that? So they can do whatever they want, kind of. I was walking through Heathrow Airport earlier, and this was the advert that was playing on all of the screens. It's a privacy advert. It's about being able to hide your privacy, like hide your your timeline from anyone you want, and et cetera, on Facebook, which is obviously like an answer to this massive privacy scandal that's been going on over the last few years. But what I thought was fascinating about this video is subconsciously, as an artist, all I can see is how Facebook are trying to tell you that how you present yourself in the digital world is pretty much how you represent yourself in the real world, right? You want to hide yourself? Hide yourself online. You want to hide yourself from certain people? Hide yourself from those people. And that's how, that's how you're reflected in, in the world today. It's like you can just magically disappear because there is only one real world now, isn't there? It's the digital realm. It's like, or maybe there's two. There's this parallel universe, the digital and the real. But it reminded me of this video, which came out a few years ago, which is about uh, it's a concept piece about this person walking through a supermarket. And the augmented reality headset stops working. And they can't purchase anything. And they lose all their money. And the world just becomes this like, empty vessel of just QR codes. And I was like, wow, this looks just like in a way, the, the video I just showed you, almost. Do we agree with that a little bit? No. <laughs> well, let me explain this a little bit more. AR and VR, I'm sure we all know the difference, right? Augmented reality and virtual reality. My definition would be augmented reality is a tool. Augmented reality, you could define as being like a base, like a club, uh, the wheel, the flour mill. They're things that have augmented our lives and made them better, right? And now we think of augmented reality as something that we see through a, through a phone. You know, how can I use the phone to see the world in a different way? And virtual reality is more along the lines of what Walt Disney was talking about, which was about immersing people inside a fictitious world, uh, like an imaginary world. Now, these two things are really like, super on my mind. As an artist, I'm asked all the time to create things that are going to be immersive and something people have never seen. And I've been working a lot with how can I break the barrier between people and the things that they're perceiving that are digital without using like a screen? How can I do it where it feels totally immersive? And these two things are just playing around in my mind all the time. Who's used these Snapchat filters? Who remembers Snap Inc? Yeah, a few of us for sure, right? What happened to Snap Inc? They disappeared off the face of the planet, didn't they? Sad times. I mean, they had it good. They were doing a good thing right there. But then Facebook came along. and copied their model completely. And Facebook are totally done now. Like, Facebook isn't really, uh, Insta- sorry, Snapchat, look at me. Social media everywhere. Snapchat's pretty much dead now. And Instagram have taken over. So just, um, look, hear me out, it sounds crazy, but I've been looking at things recently. I'm like, OK, a lot of people don't know that Facebook own Instagram, which I think is crazy. And they bought them for a billion bucks in 2012. And a lot of people still don't know that, that that's just Facebook. So you got Instagram, right? Like biggest, one of the biggest social networks in like the Western world. You got WhatsApp, which they bought for 16 billion in 2014. That's how we all communicate with each other, right? It's cross-platform. That's huge. It's basically like the Western version of WeChat, or that's what it's going to become. And then also in 2014, they bought Oculus, which is I'm sure a lot of us remember it was that Kickstarter, like, hey guys, we're going to make VR. We're really cool. We're into video games, and everyone was like, yeah. And not many people know that Oculus is owned by Facebook now. So I've been trying to think, like, how is the, what is the future going to look like? What's, what's happening next? And all I can do is look at what is one of the biggest, or well, the biggest company in the world doing at the moment? What, what's, what's happened in the, what have they been gearing up for? Because a company like that doesn't think in one year ahead, five years. They think like 15 years ahead, right? So then I found this. And if you've got your phone, scan that bad boy and read it. Uh, Blake Harris wrote this book, um, The History of the Future. And when he did that, he obtained a load of documents. And he was doing a load of research into what was Facebook doing, what was Facebook up to. Um, and Because like you know, you think about Instagram and WhatsApp, when they bring out a new feature, it really does change the way that we interact. I was chatting with a friend of mine, um, a German rapper, Kelvin Colt, and we were having a conversation about Instagram. And we were saying how we don't text people anymore. We DM them in Instagram. And that's only a feature that's been around for a couple of years. But now, all of our communication is attached to our social profile, the digital version of ourselves that we curate and put online. That's always attached to any communication we have on the internet, to the extent where even I'm probably, like, here because I was communicating with Next over Instagram, right? So I read this article, and it blew my mind, because Mark, what it was, it was a, a leaked email from 2014. right? So remember, in 2014, Facebook bought Oculus. And in this email, Mark Zuckerberg, he's talking to one of the guys at Oculus and a few other other of the uh, top guys at Facebook. And he basically (laughs) says, right, AR and VR is the future. My goal here is to destroy the phone. I want to destroy Apple. I want to destroy Android. I want to destroy Google. And we're going to build the next world online, which will be social media and stuff, but then it'll also be like experiences. And that's going to happen through virtual-slash-augmented reality, whatever that might mean. And when he, does, when he does this, he's like, OK, cool. How am I going to build this like, virtual world? You know, we're just Facebook. Like, we just make social media platforms. And he's like, well, to do that, we're going to need a really good bit of hardware. And that's Oculus. That's the virtual reality headset. And at the same time, he says, we're going to need some way to build the future world online some like program, I don't know, some programming language, kind of like uh, Apple with Xcode, which is what they use to build apps on, on, on the iPhone. And in the email, he says, we need to buy Unity. So Unity is a video game engine. And uh, Unity is really cool. It, a lot of the top games in the world are built on Unity. It's a video game programming uh, uh, language. A, a video game engine is kind of like a way of having one piece of code that you can write. And then you can export it out onto any device you want. And a lot of people use engines, video game engines, to build experiences or apps or, or, or games like this. So in 2007, they were huge because that was the only way to make video games to iPhone. And as, as you all know, the iPhone gaming industry is huge now. Like, look at Candy Crush and the gamification of, of iPhones and digital currencies because of that. And then in 2013, they released the Facebook API, and you get all of the ad stuff that pops up, which is related very heavily to what's been happening with all these advertising scandals. And in 2016, Pokemon Go. Who remembers Pokemon Go? Yeah, I remember walking out on the streets in London and everyone's on their phone. Everyone is playing Pokemon Go. So how is is Facebook going to do this? If if their mission really is to be like, we're going to create VR, AR, the next frontier, how are they going to do that if they can't buy Unity? Well, they didn't didn't buy Unity. Unity aren't probably going to uh, sell to them. and this is what's mad, is that after reading this email, I this, by the way. After reading this email, something really crazy happened. We had this new revolution online on, on social media and like in the world of all these creatives. And that was one of these, face filters. Like, face filters are huge right now. Just two days ago, a guy, David O'Reilly, a video game developer, released a face filter. And in one day, it got 85 million views in one day. 85 million, that's unprecedented, like that's insane. So I was looking at this and I was thinking back and I'm like, wait a second, what is going on here right now? Like, (laughs) because I'm trying to work out what to do now so that in three, four, five years, I'm ahead or I'm doing something innovative. And I'm sure that's what we're all trying to do, right, realistically, trying to understand what technology is going to be really powerful in the next five years. So then I met this girl, Joanna. And who knows who this is, who used her filters? I love it, like three people. OK, so, so Joanna's really cool, because she, she basically made one of the first filters that went viral. And she made this face filter. And as a result, she got a million followers. A million followers. Do you know what a million followers does in today's world? A million followers is nuts. You immediately become, like in the digital realm at least, super prolific, you know, especially if you're doing it when you're making things like face filters. And she's getting job offers left, right, and center. And what I thought was so fascinating was I was chatting to her and she's like, I don't even know how to code. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're like the face of this face filter thing, which is now all anyone's talking about. All anyone wants is a face filter, maximum engagement. Instagram's going nuts about it. Everyone's using a face filter on every story they're doing. It's content, 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 share, 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 share. Classic Facebook, Instagram model. How is, how is, she, how is, she, how is she doing this? Ah, oh, and that's when it clicked. Remember I said Facebook wanted to buy this video game engine, Unity, so that they could build the next world, build a virtual reality world, you know? How are they going to do that if they don't buy Unity or Unity doesn't want to sell to them? They don't need to buy Unity anymore. They went and made their own program. It's called Spark AR. Spark AR is like Unity, but it's gone mad. Because what Facebook have done is they've taken all of their machine learning algorithms and AI and plonked them into a very easy-to-use UI so that you can basically leverage the power of Facebook through this very simple computer program. And what it allows you to do is make face filters like this in literally five minutes, quite literally. All of the face tracking is done for you, all of this uh, segmentation. The program can, within two clicks, separate you from any background. It's all just given to you, super straightforward. Super straightforward. So when this came out, I'm like, whoa, there's no more programming. I used to say that code is the new literacy. Like, if you want to survive in the future, you've got to be able to code. Nope, not anymore. Now it's all about visual programming. This is how Spark AR works. It's how Unreal works, which is what Fortnite's made in. This is node-based programming. All you have to do is drag lines from boxes, one to the other, and that's it. That's programming right there, There there and done. And why have they done this, I was thinking. I was like, what's going on here? And and I was really lucky, because I was in the Spark AR beta, which means I was in a group of about 3,000 people from around the world that Instagram had approved to make filters before they were launched to the general public. And when I was in that group, there's like a little community of us, what I thought was mad was that none of these people could program. They're all just like random people, like some dude, like, you know, after work every day making a filter, like some random person doing some random thing. It was just all super low key. And what what Facebook did was, if I can rewind for two secs, how did they reward these people for making these filters? Well, when it came out, you clicked one button to follow the user when they had their filter on Instagram. So you use their Instagram, and you click one button, and you follow them. So in the eyes of social media, everyone's like, wow, if I make a face filter, I'll get a million followers. And then the Spark AR beta came out of beta, sorry, the Spark AI program, came out of beta, and they went, we're going to open up Spark now to everyone. Everyone can use it. And they changed the UI completely. They add in like, eight user interactions in order for someone to follow you from using their filter. It was like, swipe up here, swipe across there, tap that button, and then you can follow them. They destroyed the viral, viral element of it. So if you remember what I said earlier about the, my dad in the video game and, and getting rich making OutRun, It's the exact same thing happening here. It was selling someone the dream of, like, you can become rich and famous making filters, and then releasing it out to everyone and and making it impossible for anyone to get any traction. But what have they done? They've taught 100,000 people already how to program using visual node-based programming. So if I can just, like, summarize real quick what what I think is going on, I think Facebook are trying to create the next frontier using VR. They just released Libra, which we all know about, which is obviously not to do anything to do with real-world currency interaction, it's all going to be how do we pay for things inside a virtual world. They're training people how to use their AI machine learning video game-based program, and they've got loads of people adopting it because everyone thinks that social is the new frontier, right? It's all about being big on social media. So thinking ahead, I'm like, wow, you should read this article as well. You know, when you want to know what's going on in the world, just look at the biggest company on the planet and what they've been doing and what they're doing in the future and try and connect the dots. That said, everything I just said could be, like, complete conspiracy. And the company that has, like, a war room that tries to prevent fake news and, you know, (laughs) lobbying for political gain from happening, that could all be fake too, right? (laughs) Um, But one dude's in control. And that email, if you read it, is absolutely mind-bending if you think you connect the dots. So yeah, to end up, I think Facebook is always going to be like the future, and that VR is the next big thing, and it would be really smart to start getting involved in everything that Facebook's making, because it's definitely going to be adopted like crazy, in my opinion. That said, it might all not happen, who knows, but I hope you enjoyed my talk. Lovely to meet you all.